Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host. Today, I'm chatting with Courtney Shirakis. Courtney is not one of these people that you would see in a magazine or on a movie screen or anything like that. She's just an ordinary, everyday person who's had to deal with some extraordinary things in her life. September is Suicide and Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am trying to do my part in bringing awareness about it. So Courtney is coming on today to tell her story of her father's suicide and how it affected her. Because honestly, the survivor guilt is real. And so we're going to be chatting about the loss of a loved one through suicide. This is a very serious topic. If you're even contemplating on um, committing suicide, I have in the podcast already. I actually give you the 1-800 number for suicide hotline, and I will add it in the show notes as well. Please reach out. Talk to somebody. You're never alone. So you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. guys welcome back to another edition of chats from the blog cabin today i'm very honored i know i say honored a lot but i'm very honored that courtney who actually we've been friends forever um since our youngest my youngest daughter her only daughter were in kindergarten together and now they're both graduating and on to bigger and better things but courtney is here today to talk about an issue that a lot of people don't talk about and that's um suicide so courtney why don't you introduce yourself first and then we can get into your story oh okay hi yes so i obviously live here in goldsboro and like melissa said we've been friends since they were very little and now they're they're adults now oh my goodness but um i have lived i guess i've lived in goldsboro now about god i think it's been 15 16 well yeah probably 15 years we lived here before we moved and then we came back so i've lived here longer than i lived in new york which is kind of crazy because that's where i'm from but um we were i guess north carolinians now and um really just love love north carolina and happy to answer any questions i have personal experience not just with family but also with friends that have committed suicide so i'm i'm here to answer any questions and maybe shed some light not only for people that are dealing with the fallout from being a survivor but also maybe would help people who are contemplating to understand what happens to those that are left behind yeah that was the one thing that when i was trying to t- title this chat i was like do i say survivor because it sounds like people trying to attempt suicide and they didn't successfully do right. it and it didn't go through or do i say so i decided to do it with the loss of the loved one through suicide because i figured that was yeah that's explanatory absolutely so you want to tell your story sure sure Honestly, uh, it happened, I guess it would be 17 years ago now. My daughter had just celebrated her first birthday. It was the last time I saw my dad. And we you know, had a great time. He came to her birthday party. Uh, that was April. And then I got the call on June 30th. And that's a call you don't ever want to get, regardless of how someone passes. But to learn that it was of his own doing was even more you know, traumatic and detrimental. And, you know, we spent the next week or so in in Kentucky, which is where he was living at the time, just, you know, you figuring out why and, and, and trying to, it's tough when there's, there's a backstory with my, with my father and reasons why he did what he did. Um, Lots of really, it could have been a television show. He, um, he had an affair when he was married to my mom and met a girl that was a few older years older than myself and dated her, married her, and unfortunately, patterns die hard. She did the same to him and cheated on him. And I think it was just a case of at that point, the failures of his life, I think, were just too much to handle. He lost an incredibly esteemed, he was a dean of a college, he was in politics, you know, he lost all of that because of what he had done. Um, so he had moved back home and just never could get that prestigious position back. You know, he could never be, I think, what he was. And then when she left, it was just that catapult. Um, And but having to go there and be the daughter, but also try not to be angry at that person, um, because, you know, 
they're obviously feeling guilty. Something actually I'm very proud of the way I handled it um, because easily I could have flipped the coin and it just been, I could have been awful and ugly and blamed it all on her. But at the end of the day, the only person you can blame is the person that chose to take that route. And it was really just a case of for my own mental health, I had to just focus on, you know, what's next, the next chapter, making sure my grandmother, my grandparents were okay, making sure, you know, they were able to get his, his belongings and get things tidied up and, and that type of thing. And that's really just kind of what I focused on right afterwards. And then really it just becomes the healing process because your, your whole world's been turned upside down and you're constantly searching for answers. You're constantly asking those questions. What did I miss? you know, where did this come out of, you know, came out of the blue. This was not something that I ever honestly ever contemplating my father doing. He was a very strong, mm -hmm. you know, was, I just never, ever anticipated this. So when it happened, you're just kind of that, that thrown into how, you know, would I, you know, there were some things I look back and say, okay, well, had it been my mom, would I have gone to visit him because of this circumstance, you know, but I had just had a baby and, you know, she was three months old. And so, you know, some things happened and I just couldn't make a trip to see him at one point, you know, but I felt guilty because I didn't make that trip. You know, I went and saw him after, but it just was one of those things where you're like, okay, looking back, you know, does he think about that and say, oh, she never came when I was down or she, but I, you know, those things you just can't keep doing. Otherwise you'll never, you'll never move on. Absolutely. Is, is kind of the keys. You just have to really, think about the fact that they were in a spot where they thought there was no other way. Mm. You know, they, they really don't, it's, it's a mental health issue and they don't feel that their life, they, they feel it's better if they're not there. They just don't realize the ramifications of them not being there and then what that causes everybody else. Do you think if a lot of if the ones that attempt suicide, if they knew what it would cause their, their family, their loved ones, the turmoil and the mental turmoil of like what I could and couldn't have done. Do you think they would think twice about it? Or do you think at this point they're so far gone that there really doesn't factor in? I guess it depends. It, it really would depend. I mean, I do think it's not a bad idea. I've always thought of that as part of a treatment or part of, you know, when they come and speak at schools or do things that they should have people that have had loved ones that have passed so they can actually share their stories and share how they're dealing with things afterwards. Um, because possibly I think for some people it might, because at the end of the day, people don't realize that somebody loves them, mm -hmm. you know, or don't realize that their life matters if they're not there. So I think showing that, you know, it absolutely does affect other people is huge. You're right though. There are going to be people that no matter what you say or what they hear, they're so far gone that and, and mentally that they don't believe anybody is going to be affected. They believe it's going to be better. So it's a, you know, fine line, but I, I don't think there would be any harm in my opinion of having those kind of survivor talks and having them be not just survivors talking to other survivors, but actually, like I said, the reality of the fallout and what happens afterwards. I think everybody should listen and hear that because maybe like you said, it might down the line, affect someone and say, God, I could never do that because, you know, my daughter, or I can never do that because I know how bad this was affect my husband. You know, something like that, I think would make a huge impact. Absolutely. Cause I know a lot of people when they're contemplating or even thinking about suicide, they're thinking about the people will be rid of all their problems and they won't have to hear about them when they don't realize they're just adding more problems onto the, the pile. Basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. They absolutely are because you, I mean, it's like I said, it's been 17 years and I still have that guilt. You know, I still have that, oh, could I have done this different? And oh, why? You know, or even the question, you still have the question of really why? You know, why did you choose that route? Um, you know, why did you decide to, you know, not be present in my daughter's life? Like, was it, you know, why wasn't my daughter, your granddaughter who you loved, you were there for her birth, you were at the hospital, wasn't that enough to save you? You know, so you always have those questions. You always are wanting to know why? And that never goes away. I, I don't think it ever can go away. It gets easier. It gets better. You, you learn to accept that they're gone, but it doesn't ever go away. Does, does your daughter feel any of the fact that he didn't stick around for her at all? Uh, yes and no. She's very passionate about suicide prevention. So I know it comes from that. And I know 
you know, she actually created a um, Instagram page when she was in high school that she would share inspirational quotes and, and you know, to talk about, you know, there is a voice, give a voice to the voiceless. Like we have to talk about mental health. We have to, you know, she really wanted, you know, teens to be talking about mental health and she put together a benefit. Um, so absolutely, I know she definitely wonders, you know, I don't think she wonders why it wasn't I enough, but I think she absolutely hates the fact that he's not here, that he has missed all those milestones, you know, that she didn't have him for graduation or come take pictures at prom or, you know, things like that. She absolutely mm -hmm. is affected by that a hundred percent. Is there now, I know your mom and him were separated or yes. divorced at the time, but yes. is there like part of guilt in her mind as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my mom was amazing. I mean, she was there at the funeral. She helped my grandparents. I mean, they've been married 20 plus years. Um, you know, she absolutely, because I believe he did call her at one point not long before he did it and kind of apologized, you know, that kind of thing. And they had a, they had a good talk, but absolutely, because you just you don't see the signs and you don't, or know that you don't know that they're signs till you think about it afterwards. But, you know, I mean, he never called and gave away his possession. He never called and said goodbye. I mean, nothing. It was completely blindsided. Now I believe he probably called, um, you know, his current wife or he, you know, I think he called her, but again, there was no communication to me. It was just, you know, boom, it was done. You know, I just got the call from my grandmother and that, and that was it. So, looking back i'm like okay there really weren't any signs for me to notice but still i mean i went far back as you know six months before eight months before like God, maybe if i had done this he would have known how much i cared or how you know so i you still think about those things no matter what now let's if you can if you don't mind let's talk about when you got the call how you felt because i think a lot of people need to know that uh, well it, it changes your life i mean i remember um it was the end of my month for, I'm in sales. And so we always have this end of month kind of pressure and stress. And I had made my month. So really it was kind of one of those days I wasn't doing anything. I was cleaning my office. I got the call and I just remember falling to the floor, screaming, um, trying to reach my husband, which <laughs> to this day, he's like, I will always answer the phone now. But he didn't <laughs> answer the phone right away. And I kept calling and calling, you know, and finally after, I don't know how many times he finally called me back and he was like, okay, I'm on my way. Um, and, you know, we packed up and just, we were gone. We were living in Maryland at the time and we just drove straight to Kentucky. Um, but you just, your whole world just falls out from beneath your feet. It's everything changes. And then your mind just starts racing, you know, why? It, it, again, I can't emphasize enough that why follows you forever. You know, why did he do it? Why did, why did I not notice it? You know, that kind of thing. That's absolutely 100%. It just, it just crushes you. Wow. And you said you've had friends that experienced suicide as well. Yeah. So my husband's uh, best friend uh, from childhood recently just committed suicide. And, and it was, it, it was, it's tough being, you know, that it's someone your own age that you've known since you were a child, that you've been there through all of their trials and tribulations and you still felt you couldn't help you know we, we saw it coming for years and it was one of those things it was kind of like when are we going to get the call um but no matter how much we tried to help you know i mean he actually one of our closest friends is a, is a pastor and they had been getting really close and he had gone to assert like they he, they don't live in one lived in Michigan, one lived in New York, but he was traveling somehow and he was able to go to one of his sermons and you know he was changing and we thought, okay, he found God, he's going to, and it just, he still couldn't fight those demons, so to speak, still couldn't fight that. And he has two little boys and, you know, again, we, it's that why, you know, what are you leaving behind? You know, you're leaving behind a new, he was newlywed. You're leaving behind a brand new wife. You're leaving behind an ex-wife. You're leaving behind, you know, two children, your parents, your sisters. And it's just, it's that fallout. Of, you know, and I, and I guess the only thing you can think of is because that one was definitely some mental things there that you can only have the peace that they're at peace. Mm -hmm. But you still, I mean, I remember what going, and I have this thing, I don't like to see once someone's passed, I, I don't go to the coffin. Mm -hmm. It's just something I couldn't do with my father. I couldn't do with my grandmother, my grandfather. And then we went to this funeral and I almost didn't even go in the funeral home. And, but I, I ended up going in and it was like the moment I saw his ex-wife who I'd had a relationship with, you know, when they got married, all that kind of stuff, you just, again, you crumble, 
you just hold each other, you scream, you cry. And it, again, it's that why, you know, you just, it's that never ending question of why did you do this? Why did you think we didn't love you? Or why did you think there wasn't another way? And, and that's why people need to know that there always is another way and that you can always get help, no matter how helpless you think you are. And if you can't get help from your friends and family, there are so many programs out there that will help you, no strings attached, no judgment. You know, that's what they're trained to do. That's their professional jobs. That's, that's, or that's their passion. And that's what they do in their spare time, but get the help. It's, it, it's better than that. Why? I can't even imagine the why. I mean, cause honestly now you're, you're getting emotional just talking about it and oh, absolutely. you're at it. What happened 17 years ago, you said. Mm -hmm. so oh, absolutely. Cool. I still have days I cry. You know, that time where you're like, oh, I call, no, I can't call my dad. You know, I can't tell him this news. I can't say, hey, we're doing this or, hey, Maddie just, you know, got into college. You know, it's you can't do those things when they're gone, no matter how much you want to. And I understand people do pass on of other things and it's just as traumatic. Not trying to take away from that. But when you know that person chose that, mm -hmm. it's harder because you get mad, you know, so there's still times I'm angry. There's times I'm guilty. There's times I'm sad. There's times I'm all three, you know, but the anger, you definitely hold on to anger. I think for a really long time, because again, they made that choice to not be here. You know, they, they didn't have a disease or I, I mean, they might have a mental, but they didn't have something that took them. They took them themselves. And um, that's, what's, that's what's so hard is they made that choice and Again, there, there's there's things out there for help. And I know nobody wants to talk about it and it's very taboo and that's a major problem. There should be no reason to get mental help when you need it, whether it's because you're suicidal, whether it's because you're having crazy thoughts, whether you're paranoid, it doesn't matter. When something is different, something is wrong, there should be no fear of saying, I'm gonna go get help. And I noticed it even today with, you know, things that happened in my daughter's school and that, you know, some people just want to brush it under the rug. They don't want to get their kids help. They, they see it as a, I don't know that they just see that stigma and they choose to ignore it. And you, you can't, you cannot ignore it. You have to just immediately when you see those signs or you see any, if you have any question of that's what they're going to do, you have to ask, you have to get them help whether they want it or not. You yeah, know, you have to fight for it. And that's part of it, too, is a lot of times people don't want the help because, you know, whether they're scared or they're at that point where they don't think they need it. Or ugh, I've seen so many times where people don't want to bother other people. Mm. I've been told that by many a people that, you know, well, I didn't want, you know, why didn't you come to me? Well, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to pull you into my drama. I didn't want to, you know, I see how a certain situation affected my husband or affected my mom and it made them so sad and I didn't want to do that to anyone else. And fr quite frankly, we have to stop that because if we are truly there for each other and we truly have friends, it doesn't matter. What makes you sad makes me sad. And when you're gone, I'm going to be even more sad. So I'd rather, you know what, be able to talk to you. Be able I might not have answers, but I can listen and I can talk and I can share and I can find maybe ways to help, whether it's through finding a hotline or finding somebody, you know, if you want it to be anonymous, okay, let's find a group that's completely anonymous. You know, there's so many tools out there that I think we just don't use. Why do you think it's such a stigma for mental health though? Because honestly, that's, I think that's the number one thing and it's suicide awareness and mental health month this month. That's why I wanted you on right. bring awareness about it. But why? Honestly, it goes back a long time. It goes back a long time. Like my, um, my grandparents were doctors in the South and my um, uncle was schizophrenic and they hid that for, I don't know how many years. Uh, people just, I don't know if they think of it as a flaw, as a defect, there's something wrong with you. But, you know, I was actually talking to my plumber yesterday. He was fixing something and we were talking about the effects of COVID and wearing masks and just some things being isolated and all these things that can happen to a person's mental health. And he was talking about somebody new and she was going to get help. And I'm like, that's fantastic. And, but he said, there is such that, you know, you're scared to ask because there's something wrong with you. But if there's something wrong with your me, if there's something wrong, you have a cough, you have headaches, you have a heart, you know, palpitations. There's nothing wrong with going to get help for that. So your brain, what, what is wrong with getting help for your mind? Your mind runs it all. 
So if your mind isn't a hundred percent, it's not going to run that heart. It's not going to run those knees. It's not going to do what you need it to do. So why not get it checked out? You know, doesn't matter the littlest things go ahead and go talk to someone because it helps. And I know maybe someone will say, well, financially I can't, there's ways. There are so many programs out there. You just have to do the research. And it's not a hard thing to do. You plug it into the internet. You, you know, look up online a couple different things and it'll give you all the tools. Or you go to your your health department. They will direct you where to go to seek those, those things that will help you. Absolutely. You know, the suicide prevention hotline, you can call them. They'll give you tools. So it's not that it's a really hard process to find someone that can help you. Yeah, and plus two, reach out to friends, even though there's that stigma of being judged by friends, reach out to them because a lot of friends have, they're suffering as well. And they're like, they're not alone. I think that's what's going to make everything, maybe not normalize it, but make it acceptable to talk about. Absolutely. Because so many of us, it's amazing to me when I hear different stories of different friends and different things that I'm like, I went through that. Or I know so-and-so, you know, Hey, I know so-and-so who went through that exact same thing. This is what she did. Or, you know, everyone's different, but we all have a lot of similar stories or similar things that happen to us. But like I said, when we shut down and we want to pretend, I call it kind of when you want to have that fake Facebook family, you know, you want to have that where everything is perfect. Hey, sorry, the dogs start barking. Stop it. Um, you, you focus on that perfection, but you know what? Life is all about the messy bits. It's uh, that was from a movie or something. I remember that, but it is, it's all about what's messy. No one is perfect. No family is perfect. No person is perfect. And it's all those messy parts when you combine them together that make your life great. So, you know what, sometime you might be stuck at home and you don't want to leave the house for three weeks. Okay. Well, there's a reason. Let's figure it out. Talk to a friend. You know, what's, is there something, there's anxiety that's bothering you. Are you just, you know, maybe you've gained a little bit of weight and you're scared to go outside. Maybe you just don't want, you know, you don't, there's so many different things that could be happening, but that's happened to somebody else. So I think going to your friends and talking about them, and even if they haven't had a similar experience, they're going to talk to you about it and they're going to hopefully walk you through. And even just like you said, that talking, sometimes that's all you need. You know, that's all you need is to say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Help me not feel this way or help me accept that it's okay to feel this way, but I can get better. I think you're absolutely right. That talking about it will help to get rid of that stigma. Did, did you have someone that you talked to when your dad died, when your dad committed suicide? No, I don't believe, I mean, honestly, just like you said, family, friends, my mom, you know, things like that, my husband, but no, I didn't go see anybody. I didn't, you know, get help or anything like that. Not that I wouldn't, I guess I just, I was okay. Not that I was okay, but I just, you know, this was what he chose. And now I have to, I have to move on. And I had a little girl, I had a baby, you know, I had to focus my energy on making sure she was good and she was okay. But I would say probably my outlets would have been, you know, friends that I was close to. Even now when I meet somebody, like I met someone at work or at an event and we see, see each other at every event and we just, you know, we talk and chit chat and she hadn't been at a few and I found out that her husband had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. So at the next event when we were together, we were talking and honestly, just us, we ended up chit chatting almost the entire night. I shared, you know, my experiences with it. She shared what had happened. You know, when she left, she said that was the best conversation that, you know, just being able to talk to somebody who's been through it and share just how I'm feeling that I'm angry at him and I'm mad because my kids don't have a dad now, you know, and they were going through a divorce. And, you know, she said, so I'm angry, you know, was that, was that a mistake? And, you know, but no, you, he, he was an alcoholic. There were all these things that let up. There was a reason that you were separating and that was okay to be separated. Um, and it was just having those conversations. So I think honestly, if, if you don't have anyone to talk to and no one will listen to you, then yes, go see a professional or call a hotline. But like you said, just reaching out, especially when you reach out to people, they might not be your best friends, but when you do it in a way that's non-confrontational and coming from a true, genuine place, it makes a huge difference. Just people hearing stories, just like we're doing today, Mm -hmm. just hearing these stories and knowing that, you know what, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything to cause this person to do what they did. And, And again, knowing that it's going to get better just based on time. 
but it's not going to go away. And I think that's a big, when people will say, oh, you'll feel better. It'll, no, I mean, it's, it's a hole in your life. It's never going to be replaced by anything because they were a significant person in your life. It's just going to start to heal. But I think it, like you said, only heals if you, if you talk about it, if you really, really talk about it and get it out there and, you know, know that it wasn't your fault. There was nothing you could do to help that person. So how long would you say you still suffer from survivor's guilt a little oh, bit? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, um, my, my father had been diagnosed with um, cancer and it was one of those things where I had just had the baby and he had had a few treatments. You know, he wasn't as forthcoming about it. So I didn't know about it until I had just had her and, you know, he was better, but he had kind of, you know, it was one of those where I, in my head, I'm like, if I hadn't had the baby, I would have rushed out and gone to see him. But with having her and being, you know, 12, 15, however far away I was, I didn't rush out. And so I kind of my head, I'm always like, you know, I think that I'm like, if it had been my mom, would I have, you know, because we were super close. And I was like, would I have just rushed and dropped everything? Um, but, you know, I, I still have to think to myself, you know, we had phone conversations. We talked all the time. He knew I loved him. It was just a circumstance that at that particular moment, I couldn't go. But I went later at another time and he was cancer free. And but again, it's just those things you think back like, God, had I done that, would that have meant more to him and him thought, you know, it's so it's so hard. It's definitely one of those things that I absolutely have something too that comes to mind that I don't know if people realize that when they do things. It's the way they do them or the notes they leave or the lack thereof also have a deep psychological impact on the people they leave behind. Um, that's something huge that I don't think people realize, obviously, because they're not in the right state of mind when they do this. But, you know, nine times out of 10, when they leave, you search for a note. Everybody wants a note. They want to know why. Mm -hmm. They want answers. Um, sometimes they leave that note and then that note is worse than if they hadn't left a note, you know? Um, so that's something important to, that people don't realize that that has a tremendous impact you know, lack thereof of a note, the note really not helping or the note saying things that maybe make you feel guilty or make you think, well, okay, well, you didn't even think about me. You didn't even, like my father did not mention me or my daughter in his note at all. Yeah. It, but in the same breath, it also showed the mental state that he was in because he talked about cookbooks, making sure that his cookbooks got to his mother, you know, and making sure, yeah, that the dogs were, you know, groomed and taken care of. Like, so again, it shows you, that's how I, how I cope with it and saying, okay, he was clearly not in his right state of mind if his main concern were his precious cookbooks, you know? So, but that has an impact on you. That makes you think, God, you know, did he not even love me that he couldn't even say, I, you know, give my love to my daughter, give my love to my granddaughter, you know? So that's tough. You know, those things are tough too. So sometimes it, it's, it's, it's those things that aftermath or the, the way that someone does something definitely can have an everlasting impact on you. Wow. I mean, honestly, that the fact that he didn't even mention you in the note. Yeah, it's tough. Wow. That is yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very tough. And so it's one of those things that you have to learn to deal with. You have to come up with rational rationalizations to why that could be. But the answer is, honestly, I have no idea. I'll never know because I can't ask. You can't ask that question. Question. You know, so, yeah. Wow. Do you, do you think it could be chemical imbalance or medicine or? Um, I mean, to be quite honest, he was drunk. So that's a huge factor. Um, he was at one point a sheriff, so he used a gun, um, which nine times out of 10, that's the way men, you know, tend to uh, commit suicide because it's quick, it's easy. And, you know, they, they want it over and done with their, I don't want to say it's more of a cowardly thing, but women are more likely to take pills, flip their wrists. It takes longer. Um, men just, they want it over and done with. Women don't like the mess either that a gun would leave. So mm -hmm. typically that that's the male way to do it. But I definitely, there was mental illness. I, I don't, he was never diagnosed. He was never, but you know, like I said, his brother was schizophrenic. I never saw signs of that, but I saw signs of alcoholism. When I would look back, you know, my mom obviously has told me stories. And so I think the alcoholism definitely didn't help. But I also believe it was honestly, utterly failure. I think he was his, some people, their egos are very tied to their jobs. 
very tied to their positions, way they are perceived. And that all fell apart when he had his affair. And I think he never, he never recovered from that. And I honestly think that when he lost her on top of now, you know, he's lost all this revere, all this position, he lost her. I think that was it. You know, he just didn't see how he could recover, how he can move on from that. And, you know, like I said, he went from being, you know, acting dean of a college to selling Aflac insurance. Wow. which is a 1099 job. It's not, you know, so that it's a huge blow to an ego. Absolutely. So I think that played a huge part um, in it. A hundred percent. Wow. I just can't, I can't even imagine. And the, to know you and know how strong you are right now and to have to go, cause I've never heard the whole story. I just heard bits yeah. and pieces of it. So that's yeah. why I was like, it's, it's like I said, it's just, it's, something that happened. I can't, I can't erase it. I can't change it. So it's just being able to, like I said, I don't mind sharing with anyone who asks because maybe like you said, it'll help somebody who is dealing with themselves or who maybe is considering and maybe they realize like, Hey, you know, there's a fallout when this happens. There's absolutely a fallout. You know, I was lucky enough that my daughter was only one. So she doesn't remember, you know, she only knows what I tell her, what I talk about. Mm -hmm. um, that makes a huge difference as well. But when you have, you know, children that are older and that do remember, that's going to be a really lasting effect. And that's the situations where I would really hope that something could stop them, you know, whether it be asking for help or just talking to somebody, um, but them realizing that, you know what, their life matters, whether it's a shitty life right now that they feel that no matter what, them being gone is not better. It never, it's never better when they're gone. What would you tell others that are going through this? Honestly, I would tell you, know, you take it day by day. It's, I can't, it doesn't ever go away, but it gets easier. It absolutely gets easier with time, especially if you have a good support system. If you have, you know, whether it's friends, family members, children, you know, things that you can bring you joy and that you can focus on, um, but it's not your fault. I think that's the the main thing is that that guilt, there's nothing you could have done. There's no sign you could have seen. There's no words that maybe you heard that if you had done something, it would have changed. When a person is, actually falls through, there there's nothing you can do. Now, obviously, for those that maybe are worried or concerned, if you do see a sign and you do recognize that whether you think it's the smallest minute chance, don't take it seriously. Absolutely take it seriously. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't be that case of, oh, if I had done something different or if I had actually called and got help, if I had, you know, don't absolutely drop whatever you're doing and get them help because if you don't, anything can happen. So I think that it goes both ways. I think if you're a survivor and, you know, you, you were dealing with it, know that it will get better, but know that you had no control over it and that they made this choice, not you. And then in the same breath, if you have somebody you think is contemplating or threatening, or even if it's for attention, you know, sometimes that happens, still, still address it because there could be that one time that you don't and you know what, they follow through on it. So I think it's definitely key to just always make sure that we're talking about it and that it's it's, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong if you have these thoughts or you have these fears or you think you're so unwanted that it'd be better if you were gone. It's just being able to, to address them and talk about them and, and hopefully get help for them. Yeah. I just, I just honestly cannot even imagine. That's the reason why when I texted you, what last week and said, yeah. hey, would you want to come on? You were like, absolutely. I mean, oh. cause I was like, you know, for me to actually broach the subject with you, because I, like I said, a new part of your story, but not the whole story. Right. Like, well, do I ask her? Do I not ask yeah. her? You know, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to bite the bullet and ask her. Yeah. Anyway. So we need to do that more often because I, I get that all the time when people are talking about it. You know, and Jeremy, my husband will say something like, oh, you know, well, Courtney's dealt with that. And they'll be like, wait, what? And, and people think I don't want to talk about her. People think it's, you know, oh, I shouldn't say anything or I shouldn't bring that up or I don't want to talk about suicide around her. No, because that's the problem. We, we tiptoe around it. We don't talk about it. I mean, obviously you don't want to be insensitive um, if it's, you know, something fresh and, and watch your words and things like that. But um, 
I don't have a problem. And I know there was something like people were having a problem with saying like committed suicide and, and how that can be. But at the end of the day, they did commit it. They committed that act. So I don't have a problem with saying, you know, your father committed suicide because yes, he did. You know, he took his own life um, and he decided to commit that act. But I think it's the fact that we don't talk about it or we're scared to say something to someone. And, you know, I, I always just want to be that open door to anyone, whether it's somebody my daughter's age, whether it's somebody our age. You know, I always want to be that open door, open communication, and that you can absolutely talk to me about it any day, any time. Because, you know, honestly, there's a lot of times you see um, on Facebook, a lot of people say so-and-so died, but they don't. Mm -hmm. mention why they died and they're right. like message me pm me i mean why that drives they... me insane I, I honestly for me i'd rather you just not post it mm -hmm. I, that's one of my biggest things i'm like you have to bring awareness to something and if you're not ready to talk about it publicly then just leave it private and if you want to talk to certain people privately i mean and i know people are private and they, but again there's that shame i think people are ashamed when a loved one passes from suicide and and we can't be because if we are, then it's going to continually be that that coward's route. It's going to be that that stigma of like, well, I can't tell anybody I'm thinking about doing this because, you know, everyone's going to think bad of me. And it's like, well, they can think bad of you now or they can think of like, oh, he's gone. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to think about you at all because you're no longer here. So I would rather just burst through that stigma. But I think you're right. I think we need to be open and honest, even with like drug addiction. I've seen that, too, where some people are flat out like, I'm going to tell you why my son passed, because I hope it doesn't happen to another person. You know, and then there's others that will gloss over it because they're embarrassed by the addiction. And we have to start having these open conversations about suicide, about addiction, um, because sometimes they go hand in hand, too. Um, but again, when we are so closed minded and so closed off to mental illness, there's it, it's really, really tough. So I think you're right. We need to, as a people, either don't talk about it or if you're going to talk about it, be upfront and honest. Of like, hey, this is why he passed. If anyone wants to, you know, talk about this and and find out, you know, I'm here to answer your questions. You know, I think but not everybody's ready to do that. Not everyone's able to. So I understand that. But um, I think if you are able to and you're you're wanting to, then you should absolutely have those conversations and not be afraid of it. Because, uh, again, you know, I'm not going to be afraid of anyone thinking less of my father or thinking less of my family. It is what it is. It's part of my history. And all I can do is use it as a teachable moment of, hey, you know, I went through this. Don't put yourself through it. You know, I've had friends who have threatened it and I flat out I'm like, don't don't make that threat because you, you you have young children or you have a husband or you have this and your life matters. I mean, I've, you know, I've had not so nice, I don't want to say not so nice conversations, but those tough, honest conversations, mm -hmm. because sometimes you can't sugarcoat everything. Sometimes you can't be all fluffy and, oh, we will, the world would be, oh, we can't miss you. No, sometimes you have to say, look, you need to get help for you so that you can be a better family person, or you can be a better friend, or you can be better to yourself you know sometimes you you have to really fix yourself before you can love anyone else and sometimes it's those tough conversations of like hey look this isn't okay you know you can't leave you can't leave this world in this way you need to go get help you know whether that's me talking to you whether that's a per professional person but you need to get help and so you know i've had to have some of those tough conversations with people and i'm not afraid to for sure. You're one of those people that you don't, if you don't want to hear the truth, you right. don't. You. Yeah, <laughs> you that don't ask me certain questions because they know that I'm going to be honest, but I would rather honestly have an honest answer than do something and it'd be wrong, not wrong, but you know what I mean? Like do something that I'm not comfortable with or not do something because I don't want to hear like the reality of what could happen if I did do it. And I think that's, you know, sometimes the problem is that we, we don't want that reality check. And I think we need it sometimes. So what would you tell, if you could talk to your dad right now, what would you say to him? Whew. Um, that's a toughie. I mean, obviously I love him and don't go, you know, there's, there's so much more out there than just, the situation, like the situation you were in was at that moment, the most important thing to you, but there was so much more out there after that situation, um, you know, that we could have, could have done, could have shared. But I think that's the bottom line is just don't go, you know, 
stay. That would probably be what I would say. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that was a toughie. That got me. <laughs> Sorry. You got me. you got me on that one. <laughs> Sorry. See, I asked you the tough questions this time. You yes, okay? You did. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. So how has it made your um, relationship with your mom stronger, obviously? Because they weren't married, but you said that your mom was right there with you through the whole she thing. She was. My mom and I have always had a strong relationship, to be honest. Um, but she was a rock. I could go to her, you know, for anything. I mean, she was there. Like I said, she came to the funeral. She was there to handle, you know, anything that maybe I couldn't handle. And then even when after that, I became, I was the only grandchild. I was the, I'm the only grandchild. I'm the only child, only grandchild, only niece or nephew. So like, there's nobody else. I don't have direct cousins and both on both sides of my family. So when my dad passed, he, yes, he has a brother, his brother's schizophrenic. So he's kind of, you know, um, I was tasked to be the one that then dealt with all of the family things. So when my grandfather passed, you know, then it was his will going to my grandmother. And then from there it was, okay, now my grandmother, I'm responsible for her. And there was a time where my uncle, you know, in his, one of his delusions stepped in and he was holding her hostage. And so I had to step up, you know, in my thirties and take over conservatorship. I had to go to court. I had to order that she was not fit to drive a car anymore, that she wasn't fit. You know, we had to get him removed from the house. You know, I had to do all that. And so there's some resentment there, you know, during those times because he should have been doing that. You know, that's mm -hmm. his mother. He lived there. You know, he should have been doing those things. So you have that, that anger. Um, so it also, but it makes you put on your big girl britches and it makes you, you know, do things that are best for your family. Um, but I had to be there to pack up her house when she passed. And, you know, my mom was there to help me do that. And without that, I don't think I could have got through it. You know, um, she was absolutely there to help me pack everything up, get it labeled, get it shipped here, get it sent to the Salvation Army, whatever we had to do. She was there, whether we were there for a week, two weeks, I forget how long, but every step of the way she was there and there was no, no doubt, no question that she would be. So for that, I can't ever be grateful enough. Um, you know, she would always, she would always be there no matter what, whether it's, you know, like I said, they were divorced. She still, you know, she still loved him, obviously not a fan of him by any stretch, but still, I mean, she was angry at him for what he did to her, but then he was, she was angry for what he did to me, but she never really voiced it. You know, she might make a comment here and there, but she never bashed him. And I think that's super important because especially with divorce, it's very easy to bash each other. It's very easy to take something that was once a love and make it something so horrible and hideous that you don't recognize that. And it's just nothing but hate. And um, she really didn't, she really never did that. Like I said, a comment here or there, but rightfully so. Um, and, but when he passed, there was none of that negativity. It was all just, okay, this is what we got to do. This is how I'm going to help you. Let's do it. And that was huge. Well, how has that changed the outlook on how you deal with your daughter? Um, my daughter's my best friend and my mom was my best friend. So I think that really carried through that. I talk with my daughter. I'm open. I'm Frank. You know, she knows what's going on, what happened. And she knows she can come to me with anything. I'm not going to judge, you know, her friends know that as well. That's something that I just, I'm always there for someone no matter what. And it doesn't matter, you know, what you've done, what you're going through, what you're planning on doing, you know, I, I'm going to give you advice and you can take it or you cannot take it. Um, I honestly lately have been like, God, man, I really probably should have been a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Like I kind of was like, hmm, you know, I, I definitely probably missed that calling, but um, no matter what, I'm always here with, with no judgment. And that's how I parent, you know, I want her. I also teach her, she needs to be strong. She needs to be independent. Um, you cannot rely because that's what happens too, especially when you get involved in family dynamics and, and marriages and things like that. When you come in and you're not independent and you solely rely on sometimes, sometimes a death like this can just end it all or a breakup, which is kind of like, you know, with my father, you know, it was a breakup. It was a betrayal. And if you're not equipped to handle the breakups, the betrayals, it's tough. And that's where things like suicide come in because, you know, it's your whole world. So now your whole world has been, you know, or if you've built your whole world to be around a person and then they leave. So it's not that they, they like just chose to leave, whether it be because you weren't happy anymore or because they made a, a bad choice or whatever it may be. 
when that falls apart, you have to love yourself. And so I think that's something I've always taught my daughter is before you can get into a relationship, love yourself, love yourself when it comes to your friends, love yourself when it comes to your family and when it comes to getting married, because as long as you have that love for yourself, it's going to be a whole lot easier when they don't have that love for you anymore. You know, and it, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And some people cannot handle those situations when they are put into them and whether they lash out through suicide, through suicidal attempts, or, you know, they just change as a person. There's a lot that happens and they, be, you know, it's, it's sad. And I think that's something I just have always taught her that, you know what, make sure you love yourself no matter what, make sure you're open and honest, always communicate. And if something's bothering you, you have to let people know that. And I think that definitely is helped me with, you know, all that I've dealt with is to make sure that, you know, it's okay, no matter what is wrong, it's okay. We're going to get through it. That's the bottom line. Yeah, obviously reach out to people. That should be the number one thing instead of holding it all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether if you don't want to talk about it with me or your father, you, you know, call one of your friends, you know, send a message, whatever, go to coffee, you know, but also same thing. I would always tell her with signs with her friends, you know, Hey, if you see something that's not right, talk to them make sure they're okay. If, if you feel like it's getting out of control, come to us, come to their parent, whatever you have to do, but don't, don't let it go away because if you ignore it, that's when something bad can happen. And then there's that guilt for her or for their friends saying, absolutely. Wow. We looking back, there's were signs and we didn't do anything about it. And we didn't do anything about it. Oh, absolutely. And that's a hundred percent where that, that guilt comes in. Absolutely. Wow. Courtney, is there anything else you would like to share? No, I mean, I think, I think, I think you heard my story. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, like I said, I think it's just so important that we talk about this and it's so important that people know that they're not alone and that it's okay. It's okay. If you have these thoughts, it's okay. If you have depression, it's okay. If you have anxiety, all of those things are okay. It's part of life and it's okay to get help. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we're not okay with getting help. And that's why we have such a problem right now. Yeah, that is true. Well, Courtney, I want to thank you for sharing your story. Sure. And I'm sorry I made you cry. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, honestly, honestly, I, I I don't think I've ever seen you really break down and cry. So oh, I, I do. I, I'm, I, but it's probably more for movies. I'm very emotional when it comes to like watching movies. Oh, so TV. am I. My girls sit there and laugh at me. Yeah, it. exactly. I'm like, it hasn't been a good movie if Courtney hasn't cried. That's yeah. pretty much what we, <laughs> what we say. <laughs> And guys, I had the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline on, running on the bottom. It's 1-800-273-8255. You can actually reach out to them or you can even go online and live chat with somebody. Yep. So there's always that option or reach out to a friend because you don't want to leave people behind wondering what if. Exactly. Why, why didn't I see the signs? What if mm -hmm. I had done this? What if I had done that? This Absolutely. The why and the what if 100% is what we're left with. And it's not, and to be honest, it's not fair, it, you know, not to try to, but it's not fair. I mean, you are going through something and I'm not trying to diminish what you're going through, but then what you cause others to go through. I know you think in your mind, everything's going to be perfect. I'm going to be gone. Everything's going to be great, but that's not the case. There's a mother, there's a brother, there's a sister, there's a child, there's a friend that you have completely wrecked and completely destroyed. And, and some people can't come back from it. Some people can, and some people can't. So again, it's one of those things you have to think about the fallout. You have to think about what else is in, in your world that will be affected by it. Because as much as you want to think that it's not going to have an effect, it a hundred percent does. Yeah, it's true. And Courtney, once again, thank you for coming You're on sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. Wow. That story. I have known Courtney for over 18 years. Well, let's say 15 years or so. Um, our My youngest daughter and her only daughter met when they were in kindergarten together. And they were just amazing um, friends until they hit middle school and then they kind of grew apart but Courtney and I've always remained friends but I never knew the whole story of what happened um, about her father's suicide and to hear her talk about it and knowing that happened 17 18 years ago the guilt is still there it's wow it's 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 
it's beyond me to even think about that. Suicide is such, suicide and mental health is such a taboo subject when it comes to Americans and we don't like to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. We need to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. We need to talk about these topics. We need to know that it's not a weakness to seek out help. It's not a weakness to to be suffering from something and in a depression that you don't think you can come out of. The strength is when you reach out for help. The strength isn't about you taking your life. Even if you feel like it's your only way out, I guarantee you life will get better in a few short years. Suicide leaves behind so much more. A lot of suicide victims, I think they think that once they're out of the, the picture, there won't be a problem anymore. But it creates more problems for the survivors. I just cannot imagine anybody in my life, if I ever had to go through that, you know, being as strong as Courtney was. Because Courtney, was, her story is just amazing. And I'm so glad I reached out to her and asked her if she would like to come and share her story about suicide aware, first suicide awareness month. Like I said, I did not know her story. And if you feel like you even thinking about committing suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can go online to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Just Google it and you can chat with someone. It doesn't have to be face-to-face. It doesn't have to be over the phone. You can just sit there behind your computer and just type. But please get help. You are loved. You are worthy. And think, promise you things will get better. Now, on a more, not say serious note, on a less serious note, remember I've turned these chats from the blog cabin into not only this podcast, but Facebook Lives and put I started streaming them on YouTube as well. Before, I was just downloading them and then uploading them on YouTube. But now, whenever I go live, it'll be live on YouTube as well. So, that's something that if you're not near Facebook or you're not and you want to connect on YouTube, go to Chats from the Blog Cabin on YouTube. Just search it and it'll come up. Thank you for being part of the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast and family. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating or review because that really helps me out and it helps people hear more of this content. To hear that mental health isn't a stigma in society that we all need to start talking about it. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.